Hello, and welcome back, or welcome to the Earth Decor Podcast. And today, we have a very special guest. We have the wonderful, the fantastic, Ezra P. Aaron, Aaron Pink is, is on the podcast. And this is also a very special episode. This is the first episode I'm doing a live interview. So, Aaron, don't you, uh, don't you feel pretty happy about that? Absolutely. Just don't have high hopes. <laughs> oh, don't worry. My hopes are rock bottom. I'm kidding. This is like my standards. Uh, so, Erin, uh, t- tell us who you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm horrible by the sounds of it. Um, hello. <laughs> um, I- I'm Erin. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm- I-, I know Corey, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I live in London. I'm 24. Yeah. There's nothing more to say. I'm vegan. Very important fact. Oh man, you you waited. Hold on, let's. You, you waited a minute and seven seconds to tell people that. That's uh. Otherwise, you were gonna mention it. Oh, totally. Um. So, so if if you don't know, Aaron is uh is my partner. We've been seeing each other for over a year. Um, Aaron, would you like to tell the story of how we met? Do I have to tell the story of how? Uh, we met? If if you don't tell it, I will. But you're being interviewed, so. Um. Okay, so through my job, I got free tickets for an event um, that was happening in London uh, that was called Veg Fest. It was like a vegan, bit vegetarian, but it was like a vegan festival with loads of markets and stalls, and you could get loads of freebies, which is kind of why I went because I was, it was like, it yeah, was pretty lit. Not gonna give lie. me loads of free food, um, and it had like talks and stuff as well. Like there were areas where it was like to do with fitness, um, and there were areas to do with like beauty and and veganism um so it was it was quite cool like there was a whole program uh but there's also a section for for speed dating um so <laughs> i hate this story so much i wish we had, had like a meet cute um but we don't um but basically i i went along to this speed dating for some so I, can i swear uh well i tried to keep this pg but go ahead <laughs> right, i was gonna say we went on to be speed dating for some for laughs some laughs um some laughs and some gigs um just <laughs> how did that work know. out for you oh and hilarious i'm in the most long-running joke of my life <laughs> <laughs> all right all right but no went along to that um it was quite actually it was quite like good speed dating because basically everyone had a number and like you did your little chat and you moved along and then on a piece of paper you just said yes or no to the number and then afterwards the woman who organized it came in really late and she was a shambles and we hate her but basically if you both said yes to each other then you would receive an, an email um exchanging emails with that person so it wasn't like instant embarrassing or anything no it's like, like... You didn't like anyone uh, or if no one liked you, like you didn't really know about it. You it, only found out if you matched. It's kind of like Tinder. Yeah, it was. It was like real life Tinder. But it was. It was nice, and there were like a lot of. It was a big range of people there, though. Um, so it was just interesting to like chat to different people for a few minutes. Really, yeah. yeah. That's what I liked. Yeah. And then there was someone there in a bright pink flamingo shirt. Yeah, sorry, there's no flamingos on my shirt. It's a, it's a pineapple shirt. But... <laughs> I don't know why I think it has flamingos. On. Um. So so why why did you say yes to me? <laughs> this is this is horrendous um you just seemed different you had i don't know you had a very bright shirt on and i thought it was like oh that, that's some confidence that's like this person's you know like this person has confidence they seem to just kind of know who they are and i remembered 
Well, like looking back, I was like, who's this person? I couldn't remember if you were from Canada or New Zealand, but I knew you were not from the UK and that you said that you'd kind of recently moved here. And I was just like, this person seems nice, you know, they seem nice. Like I wasn't, I wasn't really looking for anything. Like I know I went speed dating, but it was not really a point in my life where I was, I was actually looking to make a connection with someone, but I just thought you seemed kind of nice. And I was always looking for more friends. Um, the majority of my friends in London were based around, I guess, my, my ex-partner. Um, so I was a bit bit low on the friend front. So I was like, well, we could always... This person seems kind of new as well to this area. Thinking you were actually based in London. Um, <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we could be friends, if not. Like, could be a nice person to just go eat vegan food with. And that's my favourite thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair, that's the that's the same reason I went is because I was like, worst case scenario, I'd meet people, and then I I ended up ended up with you. So uh, meeting you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> nah. To to be fair, you also emailed me first because you sent me an email that was like, hey, you know, some of these emails are getting sent to the the spam folder because I don't ever remember uh Karen, who is the uh, the nice lady who ran it, sending me an email. Yes um we we love karen because we met through her but i think that's the only reason i like karen yeah she's she is a proper karen as well um yeah so basically it's because i got an email from someone being like oh it went to our spam like yeah we matched it went to the it seems it has gone to the spam folder and it turns out that person was friends with like a few other people that went so i guess like between them they realized this um so then I was like oh let me check my spam folder and then I it had your email in it as well and I was like is that your surname how do I pronounce that looking at your email because it is your first name and surname um so I was like oh and I was like well let me just send an email just let (laughs) let you know um yeah but hello I think I think we've we might have both said yes and also look in your spam folder because you might be missing out for potential other people as well so you know i was keeping your options open for you <laughs> oh man look looking after me before before everything started mm-hmm. uh now now you do also look after me but uh <laughs> not really you you buy beans that makes you happy but you make me eat healthy food <laughs> so. i know right um so aaron i would describe you as a junk food vegan would would you we're, we'll get into veganism i guess a little bit what uh? What would you describe as a junk food vegan? I I I kind of call myself a junk food. I think I'm actually just more of an efficient vegan. Okay. I don't like to spend lots of time cooking. Um, sometimes I get home really late from work, and I just want quick food. So I will, like lunch earlier, just like have a packet of pre-made tomato lentils from Tesco that costs a whopping like seventy pence, and just microwave that and have that for dinner rather than cook real food, um, like from scratch, proper food. Um, but a junk food vegan, I guess, is someone that has a lot of, like, alternatives. Um, so, like, I am very excited about the fact that Corn have released some vegan, like, turkey dinosaur-esque things. Like, it's in the shape of a dinosaur. Actually, that excites me. Yeah, we, we saw those the other day in the store, and it almost looked like you broke your heart to, like, put those down. I don't have enough freezer space. Um, but I, yeah, I, I like, I would still, as an adult, be like, 
maybe I'll have chicken nuggets. <laughs> but obviously not chicken nuggets. Um, and like, I like vegan cheese and I like, I just, I quite like meat-esque things still-ish. Um, like I'm not just like, I'm just going to eat beans all the time. I don't eat very many beans and pulses, really, unless you're here <laughs> and then you make me. Um, <laughs> so I'm just a bit about quick and efficient and quite often that does involve like meat substitutes and things. Like also vegetables. I do try and eat vegetables, but not to the extreme extent. And I think a lot of vegan food sometimes takes like quite a decent amount of time to cook. And I'm very lazy, but that's why I'm trying to bulk cook more on like a Sunday and then just eat the same thing for days on end. Because that doesn't really bother me that much. Have you ever thought of getting a bunch of people you know to like go to one location? Like a meetup? <laughs> there, there, that'd be all, all your meat substitutes that you needed. Fill a list. <laughs> <laughs> um okay okay all right so so, so reminded me of something but i can tell you later <laughs> oh, oh okay okay um I'm, I'm certified not funny now um okay so you you are obviously uh from the uk um everyone obviously yes yes because you sound very posh oh, do i need to do i need to speak in the proper british accent for people to live out their dreams that you're dating a proper british person no, problem not, because everyone knows I drive a pickup truck and drink too much beer. You but, what, mate? <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, so so but you don't identify as like an English person. So what what do you identify? And tell us about that. Um, I am a bit of a poo head. Um, in terms of I've I'm I'm from Cornwall. Um, it's a county for people that don't know, and it's the very bottom of England. So it's the very like southwest um it's just like the very end of it it's the little squiggle at the end um and it's a celtic county so scotland and wales and ireland are also celtic but cornwall is also celtic um they're also countries not counties <laughs> don't want to sound like an idiot here um but there's a massive thing about cornish independence people think that there are some people that think cornwall should not be part of the uk or should not be part of england and it should be identified as a separate country like there's quite a bit of passion <laughs> about being cornish and i guess i i've had to google a few times like can i really identify as cornish and then kind of decided i just could because my parents are not from cornwall i was born in cornwall like i've lived in the same house or my parents have lived in the same house for my entire life um so therefore I, I identify as Cornish and on the census and all these lovely documents and like even applying for my job now, I put down white Cornish because it was an option and it is identified as an, an ethnic minority, maybe not to the same extent as other minorities, because as I said, we are white and we are basically British um, in terms of we don't have the same um, hardships and it, like <laughs> blanking. Basically, we still have you know, I'm still white and I'm still um, a, a cis woman. So I don't really have exactly the, the same issues other or concerns as other minorities. But it is classed as an, an ethnic minority to be Cornish. It has its own language, though it's dying. Um, and yeah, so I never, I never class myself as English. I class myself as white Cornish. I'm quite proud of where I grew up. Um, I have a Cornish kilt. 
I just, yeah, it's important to me. I love Cornwall. It's it's very important. St. Piran's Day, which is the 5th of March, which is also my vegan anniversary, um, is the patron saint of Cornwall. Um, it's the, the day of Cornwall. And you, you sing your sea shanties and you have a pint or two. And it's it's just a great time. It's just, it's something that's important to me. I like where I grew up and I don't want to, don't want to forget that though my parents are English <laughs> um not technically Cornish but yeah, yeah that's, that's how I was raised that's, that's very legit like uh in in Canada I always kind of identified as like a Euro-Canadian being being like a white Canadian uh like on one side my family is very like British privilege um on the other side my family is a very like hodgepodge of uh Eastern European um but like now now that i'm over here like on the census it was like white british i was like no i'm I'm not white british um but for for someone who might not know um so like what's the difference between like being welsh squatted scottish um (laughs) versus like british or like what's the difference between being cornish and english um so what I was trying to say before was regardless, I still basically have the same white privilege as being white British in this country. Privilege was the word I was trying to find and struggling with. Um, but I guess the United Kingdom is made up of four countries. It's made up of England, Scotland, Wales, and then Northern Ireland. So to be British is like from the United... I think, if I've got this wrong, I'm an idiot. Um, but it's from the like United Kingdom. Um, so it's the... If you're British, you're from the United Kingdom, whereas like English is England, Welsh is that country, because we're connecting countries, or not Northern Ireland. Um, that's obviously, well, it's part of Ireland. It's a separate country. It's not attached. Um, it's got the English Channel in between the two. Um, and that's actually the big issue at the minute with regards to Brexit and the loyalists um, and things. That's why there's riots at the minute in Ireland, because Northern Ireland and Ireland are having an issue because one's in the EU and one's not because of Brexit. Um, and which is gen- it's just there's barely any news coverage. So that's delightful. But um, England, Scotland and Wales are all connected. Scotland has always been known as being more independent. There is a Scottish Independence Party. They kind of have... Like you've probably seen with coronavirus, there's been a lot of England's been doing stuff and then Nicola Sturgeon is in charge of Scotland. Oh, Nicola's actually my hero. I'd much rather we have her than Boris. But there is a Scottish Nationalist Party. They gain a lot of seats in Parliament every year, like they're, or every election. There are a lot of votes for the SNP. Um, so Scotland's always been known as trying to push for like its own independence and being not wanting to just be like grouped in. Wales normally sits, I'm, if I offend anyone, I'm really sorry, but Wales seems to normally sit like quite dormant in the fact it's actually a different country. Like it is its own country, but it kind of always just does the same of England until like COVID. And this is where Wales has kind of started to go where, well, it always has, but it has its own, it has its own language and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and it has its own curriculum and all of these lovely I think it has its own curriculum. It does. They um, definitely it teach does. Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> and and I believe you have the right to be schooled in Welsh. Yes, yeah. So if you can speak Welsh as a teacher, like, you're doing good. Um, you're not concerned about finding a job. But this is the first time I think that Wales have really come across and been like, we are going to have different rules to England. As far as I can remember, um, normally Scotland sometimes, like, dispute stuff more, but Wales just seems to just like go along with whatever's decided by 
the prime minister who's actually the prime minister of England. Like, I think. I think. Yeah, because that's actually confused me because uh, Boris sets the, the, the COVID rules for England. Yeah. The English part of the UK, but he, he is the prime minister. So my understanding is he should have control over the whole United Kingdom. That really confuses me as as well, to be quite honest, um, because it is like the votes across the whole nation um, and across the whole of the UK count towards the general election and count towards who is prime minister. But with regards to what's happening with this pandemic, um, Boris Johnson only ha- seems to have control over England and the rules and the the lockdowns in England, whereas Wales and Scotland are both doing their own stricter things, it seems. Yeah. Um, which is funny because the economy is like the whole of the UK economy. It's not like it's England's economy. Um, and I think there is a lot of Boris being quite focused on the economy with oh, regards to de- definitely lockdown like, easing. And... Like Bor- Boris obviously is putting money ahead of human lives, but... Well, this is all my understanding, of course. Um... No, no, but I, I imagine in school they probably showed you like a, a like graphic or something or some sort of chart that showed you like, okay, like the prime minister is a prime minister. This is what they have power over. I don't recall ever being taught any of this. It's just something you grow up with. It's life, isn't it? You learn it. Oh, really? Like, um, like it, obviously in Canada, and I don't want to talk too much. Like, um, healthcare is a is a provincial thing. So when when the British government said Canada is going to be its own country, they listed what was the prime minister's duties and what was federal duties, and what were provincial duties. Healthcare fell under provincial duties. Pardon? Nothing. Oh man, I'm I'm being sassed right now for all the listeners. So uh because of that, like the like Trudeau, our, our current prime minister, he controls the borders and stuff because that's federal duty. Um, but at the same time, each um, I guess like province, each premier and each territory um controls their own like vaccinations and their own uh own medical response to their own lockdowns um so like like coming coming here and seeing this like uh for for like country approach like wales and the uk yeah, having different uh, northern rules. ireland's been doing something totally different and yet well. northern ireland and, and then seeing and like the vaccine rollout is very different as well like it's fascinating and, and seeing like boris make decisions as a prime minister but his uh decisions only count for like one part of the country um may, like very very much confused me as an outsider it confuses me as well it's not something i think that i recall ever being taught is like what the prime minister does <laughs> who they are understanding of like the house of commons and how that works how your gen- local elections work um that represent your constituency um which is your local area yeah, yeah. So, like, we have counties in the UK. Obviously, you have provinces, but your provinces are huge. We have a lot of like smaller counties in yes. the UK. Yes, I've wrote all, is a, all a of our bucks. Um... Yeah, exactly. So, like, Cornwall is a county. Um, they're all kind of quite small, and within that county, you have different constituents, and you have a different leader for each of those constituents. Yeah. Like, that's your member of parliament to represent you. Um, which is kind of funny because the one that's the can the currently our chancellor for our very very low so yeah you've got your it's funny because like we have in cornwall steve double is our local 
is uh, has our seat in parliament for my constituency um but then like within your constituency you have local chancellors that do even more local stuff i don't really understand how it works i probably should you should um, you should like, not to shame you but i know kind of what direction i'm voting with things and i do my research around the elections but yeah and it's like confusing because obviously in london as a mayor of london as well and i don't quite understand what the mayor of london has control over that's different or like what they can do that makes a difference compared to the leading power in government compared to the prime minister i don't know if it's due to just votes in the house of commons or what i like i'm yeah i i'm not very politically educated it's terrible isn't it i tried to get to i look into it a bit and then i just end up getting really sad and end up kind of hating everything about it so there's a squirrel in your garden right there now. is a squirrel um, outside the window yes. oh man so uh my my attention span is literally that of a squirrel um but i don't i don't blame you i don't really like your geography because we you guys call social studies geography and i don't really like your history curriculums I, I don't think they inform people of how. So when I was at school, I think we learned our politics and citizenship. So we had geography, which was geography, like human and um, natural geography. And then you had your history, but then everything to do with like, we had citizenship, which is separate from RE. So RE was all your religion chat um, and learning about your different religions, though you only ever did Christianity and Islam. That was basically it. You didn't look into and anything else beyond just, that. Just for context, uh, my understanding, those are the two major religions in the UK. Yes, but you never looked into, like, really much. Well, you did a bit on, like, Judaism because, like, you can't really do Christianity without discussing yeah, the Old Judaism Testament. a little bit. Um, but, like, we didn't do much on, on Sikhism. And then what you did learn about Islam, I think, um, was quite limited. Oh, probably. It um, tiny. It, it just seems like... The British people in general don't have a handle on it, or they they haven't taken the time because uh, it's it's very strange to me, like being being a, a white teacher. I've I've been to the mosque in Chesham a few times, um. But like you're you're even giving me the face like why would you go? Whereas I guarantee most teachers in the school have not gone to the mosque, and I would be absolutely appalled. If I knew any Canadian teachers who haven't been to a powwow. See, this is where I was not giving you a face of like, why would you do that? But like, that's unusual. But this is where it's unusual. We're going really off topic here. But but like... This is where it's, I think it's deemed unusual that you live in the town that you teach in. In England, particularly secondary schools, it's quite a common thing that you will live in the next town over or whatever from where you teach because you don't want to see your students out and about. like i think there were very few of my teachers that actually lived in our local area because you you didn't want to like mix your school and work life that's deemed as like the fact that you live and you see your students like just casually when you're buying your groceries at the farmer's market that's like odd but like one of my students brothers works at the farmer's market but anyways like how how is that weird that like obviously i have islamic students i'm not islamic why would I not go to the mosque? I'm not sure. It's just not something. But then this is where Cornwall, where I'm from, I think we're like 99% white. Cornwall is not a multicultural county. It has a lot of 
casual racism and i'm putting that in inverted you know oh she um, she is putting up quotation marks there is you know it's not it's not acceptable and i do have to call out people when i go home for this it's very common um but there is a lot of like racism from older generations absolutely um but there's a lot of generate racism in younger generations that's made as made as like passing comments that aren't necessarily serious but obviously there are serious undertones to that because it's still you're still being racist but there is a lot of racist comments it's like my friends my university friends came to visit cornwall um and i have one friend just for context where where are your friends uh from your university friends oh well one's from cambridge and she's white um but one is from leicester and she's she's indian she's um yeah she's indian so um she came to visit us and she was like i'm the only brown person here erin and i was like i did not i did warn you but i did say to resh like before you come just be aware that like you probably won't see many people that look like you um and she like totally got it because she she chats very casually about her race and we've had loads of great conversations about it but she didn't quite realize what i meant she she didn't quite realize what i meant um until she came to visit and she was just like wow there's literally nobody here and it's like i went to a secondary school of about a thousand people and i can think of maybe six people that were black in my school um two of those lots were siblings if that makes sense yeah so like four different families in my school that were that were black um not necessarily non-white but that were black which is crazy for the uk like the uk has quite a mixed population and that that's what i I like about teaching here is that uh like I, I, I walk into a classroom, and, and not that it was in Canada. Gu- guaranteed, no classrooms in Canada were non-diverse, um, especially where like I was teaching in in Saskatoon and Prince Albert. But um, like in the in the UK, you're confronted with as many cultures as possible, which I really enjoy. Yeah, it's um, it's a cultural hot pot, I think, as we refer to it in citizenship. With regards to, we've had a lot of different cultures that a lot of people, different people have moved here, and it means we have a really diverse and multicultural country, even though it's still fundamentally very racist. Um, oh, as yes, a country, it is. Yes, it, it is. Has all these issues, but we have a lot of diversity, which I think is great, and I hope that it just means that we are continuing to move a bit further with regards to racial equality in the UK, ignoring that recent government report that stated we are 100% not racist and the well, whole country you, is an ideal model. You have a conservative government, let's well, be honest. Yeah, that was not my choice. Um, um, I um, did not vote that, for that. That's interesting that you said hot pot. That's uh, what we called it. It was like a mixing pot, um, I think, where like you put in all your different... We referred to it, I think when I looked at when we looked at it in school, we were referring to like the fact that we had like Romans and um the Vikings and all of this that are then mixed together to make different parts of the UK and why we have such varying accents and things. I think that's where we looked at it, but they basically called it like a uh, a cultural hot hot pot or a mixing pot. Okay, because um, that that's the same language America uses. In Canada we call ourselves a mosaic of different cultures. And as you know, a mosaic is a picture made up of many other smaller pictures. So nothing's like everything makes up Canada. Everything in the picture is just as equally Canadian, um, which is obviously like a different context. Um, 
Anyways, two two shift gears here. Oh man, where No, I prefer that. I prefer the mosaic approach because it's like each piece remains its its piece and aids the bigger picture. Whereas if you think of like a melting pot or a hot pot, you're basically like shoving it in and some some things would disappear within that. They wouldn't contribute as much and I think that's a bit sadder. So, um no no, that's that's very true. And and I'm I'm quite happy that we view ourselves as a mosaic. And I hope that uh, we continue to and, and really promote that. Um, so last month, um, obviously, we're in April now. Um, but last month, you ran 100K. So how was that? Um, it was not super fun. It was okay. Basically, I I tried to start running multiple times last year. And then I kept like giving up for a while. <laughs> Um, I kind of got into it a little bit more in like July and then I wasn't very well so I didn't and then I get really like I don't want to go back and get really like stressed and quite anxious about it um I just about like exercising in public and stuff it causes me quite a lot of stress and anxiety regarding that um which is why I used to go to the gym so I could use the treadmill which is pathetic when there's like land outside it's like a whole thing to overcome running outside I've been running on the riverbank and it's been like absolutely fantastic well, that's great for you. But for some people, like having people see you and seeing you exercise is like a stress for them. Um, and it causes them a bit of anxiety. So it felt like I was kind of on and off a bit last year. And then I did okay in December last year because I did a Strava challenge. Also, so I, was, I had I was to run around. four times a week. I was around a little bit. Only over Christmas. But by that point, I'd done three weeks of the Strava challenge. So <laughs> if I didn't do it last week, what was the point in doing any of it? <laughs> <laughs> right, so I had to do it. I just had to make my four runs a week. Um, fine. So that was okay. And then I was at yours over Christmas, so I completed my Strava challenge, and then just kind of didn't really do much beyond that. And then January, it was just so cold. To be fair, I wouldn't want to run in Chesham either. Oh, there's hills. I don't like hills. That's why I run out of Chesham. <laughs> I have to come back to go to my house, but like. Even the hill to your house, too much. I don't want to do it unless I have to. Oh, man, I almost end all my runs on that hill. Yeah, well, you're a maniac. <laughs> Actually, the term is nutter in the UK. All right. I was, I was called a nutter by my neighbor. It's the best compliment I've ever received. <laughs> you okay there, bud? <laughs> do, would, would you like to tell the, the audience what a nutter is in UK culture? Um, I'm not too sure. Oh really? I've only someone has a bit of a nut job, like have... a bit screw loose, you know. <laughs> I've only ever I seen it... the fairies, maybe. <laughs> I've, uh, space kid. Um, I've only ever heard it referred to as like people who like middle aged men who just exercise too much. Oh, I've never heard it referred to as that. Oh really? But this is where the UK has so many like local bits of slang and colloquialism that. You, different parts of the country have different meanings for things, and it's confusing. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. I was like, oh, my neighbor thinks I'm a middle-aged man who's hit a midlife crisis and exercises no, too much. I think they think that you've got a screw loose <laughs> and that you're not 100% there. Uh, you know, like the lights are on, but no one's home. That sort of... <laughs> all right, all right. But but what what did you learn over this 100K? Um, well, basically, I just like had to do it. I did nothing over February, uh, over January and February, like very little. I did a few at the beginning of January. Then over February, I did a bit when I saw you. Um, but it was raining and it was cold and it was dark by the time I was home from work or before I went to work most days. Um, so 
yeah, I decided to run um, 100k. I had to set myself a little <laughs> a goal for March. I was trying to be a bit healthier. Um, I don't know what I learned. I kind of hated it. Part of me didn't. I still don't know if I like running. I like the fact that it's quite an easy thing to measure improvement with. That I quite like. But then that means if I do a run that's not very good or I feel really tired and it doesn't do very well, then I'm like, oh my God, I'm awful. I'm terrible. What was the point in this? So um, I don't know what I learned. It was okay, I guess. It was all right. I mean, I actually stacked it on my run to make 100k and then haven't didn't run for a week my knees and my leg is very bruised up and looking sad for context aaron's entire right leg is covered in bruises um and we're doing this on what day is it it's thursday and yeah. i did this the sunday previous so it's been like 10 days yeah <laughs> um all right so like where was it going for this like you, you ran this you ran this 100k i did um congratulations of course but uh what so you mentioned like Knowing what's a good run, knowing what's a bad run. So what metrics do you look at for like a good run, bad run? A little bit on pace, kind of more just how I feel. Like some runs, because I did some runs that were shorter runs, like 3K runs, um, which I could kind of do before work um, on most days. Because I work on shift patterns. So some weeks um, I really struggled to find time that it was light. But that's why March is a better time. But sometimes I work like kind of afternoon to evening shifts. So therefore I can do it in the morning. For context, what was the minimum amount you had to run a day? Oh, I didn't run every day though. But to run 100k in that month, I had to run like 3.2k a day. Yeah. Um, On average. But I didn't run every day. So sometimes I was making like 3.2, 3.3k. Um, Other times I didn't. I tried to run like five times a week though at least. Um, but I was, I tried to run, I'm calling it run. I did a couple of 10 Ks that were like running. Then I walked for a bit. Then I ran for a bit. No, that's legit though. Um, which was further than I thought I would ever necessarily manage. I didn't want to, 10 K seemed like a mad amount to me. Um, I mean, it's not, I know it's not. Corey's looking at me like I'm an idiot. No, no, you're not, you're not an idiot. Um, but yeah, so I did a couple of those. Then, then I actually ran 10k, which was I was very surprised was with myself. I was hyped. Um, and it wasn't even that slow, really, compared to <laughs> compared to everything else. But it's more about how I felt. Um, sometimes it's on pace, though. I don't know. It's different. But like, what's on pace? Well, I just look at my average pace from before and see if it's got better, see if it's got slower. If it's a longer distance, then I do expect the pace to be slightly slower. But it's more about just how I feel. It's about how my heart rate is and more just about my breathing. Some runs, I literally feel like I'm dying and I don't want to do it and I really want to quit. Um, and sometimes I do because I'm, I'm a weak human being and I'm like, I'm just going to walk the rest of the way home because I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Whereas other times I like feel okay and... You know, like you're not necessarily aware of your breathing that much, and that I think is a good sign. Whereas other times, I'm like, oh my god, I can barely breathe. Um, I don't know. I'm still improving. I don't know what makes a good run. So, so when when you say you feel okay, like what's going through your brain? Well, I've started listening to podcasts when I run, and I think that helps. It's a um, podcast. Hugging yourself, shameless. Um, I think that helps. 
to be honest. Um, I was listening to music and I have like a running playlist. But then I think that my... I thought I was running faster with music because it had like a tempo and it had a beat to it to like try and maintain. But then it turns out that I think I do better with podcasts. And then if I get more engaged in the podcast, I'm not feeling, I'm not thinking so much about, oh, my legs are tired. Yeah. Oh, I'm so far away from home. My God. So much longer of this left. Oh, I've only ran this distance. And I used to always have, when I was running with music, I used to have audio, like cues in my ears from my, I used Fitbit to record and then I just transferred to Strava. Um, but it would tell me like you've ran one kilometer in this time and you've burnt this many calories and you know like it would tell me these facts um, which I thought was helpful and sometimes it was because if it was like you've ran four kilometers in this time and I was like oh that's not bad like for my I need to push and like maybe I can get a PB here or I'll be like you know on quite a good pace like average pace and sometimes I'd be like oh that's decent like let's push to get to the end but then if it wasn't that decent i'd just then be like oh can i be bothered anymore why am i here so i think podcasts were better because i was a bit more engaged in that information rather than um how tired i felt that's fair like I, i'm i'm fully a podcast uh, i'm fully a podcast runner but uh you know if if I'm, if I'm just rocking out a 5k like i'm gonna listen to music but anything longer than that um, see, yeah, this this is the thing, though, right? Is that, like, the first time I did that 10K run, I'm calling it, um, is because I was listening to a podcast, and then I got kind of engrossed in the podcast, and then I was like, oh, I'm kind of tired. But then I looked and was like, oh, I ran quite far. I'm going to try and hit 10K now, because, like, I've gone, I've gone well past five, so I might as well go for 10. Because yeah. I didn't have the like audio cues on, being like, you've done one kilometre, you've done four kilometres, this is your average pace. Um, so I thought that was helpful. So now I try not to have that on. That's true. Uh, is there any podcasts that you want to shout out right now? Uh, no, I can't think of any good ones that I listen to. Uh, definitely not this one. That's Ac- cool. Actually, you, you've never been a fan of this podcast, I don't think. I listen to every single one of these podcasts. Which I appreciate um no i like it but you know i listen to you talk a lot so (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding to be fair to be fair i do like your podcast episodes where you interview people though i know these people like you mention them in your life so it's nice to like hear them and learn about them and i like that those episodes also do the best um so what what would you have to say to like um and, and i don't want to put you in a box but would you consider yourself like an amateur athlete (laughs) <laughs> absolutely not um no i still don't like exercising very much i'm trying to learn to like it um but not really i've never been i mean i did like i guess physical activities growing up and I guess in terms of like i did like windsurfing which does actually require like quite a bit of strength and balance and stuff and i i danced since i was like four or five until I was like 18 I did like tap ballet and like modern dance um and yeah I did like lifeguarding so I did a lot of swimming and like windsurfing and sailing so like things that were active and as part of the scouts as well as so we did a lot of like hiking and stuff like that but I still don't necessarily like <laughs> straight up exercise okay I'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> but but you're you're 100k 
further than someone who's still on the couch last month. Yeah, but I don't class myself as an amateur so, athlete. So what what would you say to that person that you're a hundred K in front of who's still on the couch? What would you tell them that maybe you learned or got out of this experience? What advice would you give? Have some comfortable shoes. <laughs> that's my advice. No, that's... Mine are like eight years old and I keep getting blisters on my heels and then I kept taping up my heels with medical tape and plasters and then I started taping up my shoes with medical tape because I was like well I have to take off my heels every day if I take the inside of my shoe that lasts longer yeah um, (laughs) get some comfortable shoes and get get leggings with pockets you can put your phone in your leggings because that was a game changer for me like really it sounds pathetic but like summer last year i was wearing like a running belt which isn't really a running belt but it's like the sort of thing when i was traveling i put my passport and stuff in it like sits on on your stomach um but i was putting my phone in that to run but then that was like aggravating because it moved as i ran so then i had like a vest top on then i had that on and then i had my t-shirt on to run and there were so many layers and i was so sweaty and it was not comfortable get pockets with leggings treat yourself to like good you need like you don't need the good thing about like running and stuff is it's quite an it's an accessible thing you don't need to spend significant money on it but i would recommend getting like decent ish stuff so you probably don't relate to this because you wear shorts but like get like decent enough leggings preferably your pockets but ones that aren't gonna like fall down all the time as you run yeah like try and buy some decent sports bras or you're just going to be a bit uncomfy or you're going to get chafing if you run consecutively for a lot of days and stuff so try and if you're going to run in the cold you need something warm to wear yeah that's true it is accessible but you also make sure that you're doing right by yourself and not making it more of a miserable experience than it already is no i I, (laughs) yeah well i i wouldn't call it a miserable experience um, th- have I told you? So when when I got into working out, um, uh, I refused to buy myself any like exercise gear until it was a year. So I was I was wearing I was I was in university, I and this was my third year of university. I was wearing my uh like grade seven gym shoes, my grade seven like running shoes for for like when we had PE in the university gym. Uh, lifting and, and I didn't buy myself new shoes until uh until I like went, hit a year, and then then I bought myself those inubs that I always wear the like red and blue shoes those are my lifting shoes, um so like yeah, but it's probably probably better to like do that beforehand because I, I had a year of like bad squats because I was wearing like literally running shoes to like squat. I mean I think it's good to like give yourself a goal always that's what i found really helpful and that's why i'm actually really glad that i did join strava um even though i kept it like really private for a while like i wouldn't even let Corey follow me on strava because i was just like oh i'm terrible this is a big thing in a relationship i don't like people being aware of like my exercise and fitness it stresses me out um but like i could join like challenges and stuff and it meant i had goals so i think if i hadn't decided that i was like right i'm gonna run 100k this month i would have maybe not done as much and like i told a few people like i'm gonna run 100k this month i'm gonna do it so then i had to and it's like in december um like over christmas i would have done absolutely nothing except for the fact that i'd already (laughs) decided on strava which i mean it's good for nothing this challenge literally i manage it i got a little 
badge that sits on my profile. If anyone ever goes on your profile, they don't. They really don't. Like, it doesn't gain you anything. Like, I, I would have got money off if I spent hundreds of pounds on some website. Yeah. That right. was the other go of it, right? Is that? But that didn't matter. But I was like, I've started this, and it's telling me if I'm managing it or not. So, therefore, I've got to make four days of 20 minutes of activity a week, which really doesn't sound like much. But also, that does seem like a lot. Like, if you're, like, working and stuff. And I feel like within the pandemic, everyone's just become so, like, ugh, about everything. Uh, that's a very descriptive term. No, it way. is. It is. But, like, that was, like, a big thing. And in December, it was cold. But I was, like, by the time I'd done a couple of weeks or by the time I'd done a few, I wouldn't want to go out and it would be Sunday. And I'd be like, oh, well, I have to. Like, yes, I want to lay in bed all weekend and watch bad tv because i'm not allowed to see anyone and we're in another lockdown once again and that literally for me means i see nobody other than my colleagues because i do go to work which i'm fortunate for really um <laughs> but no one in my life is close enough to be within walking distance of and you're not supposed to use public transport so it's a bit difficult <laughs> so like part of me is like i just want to do nothing but then i'd be like well i've done three runs this week so i have to do another one otherwise what was the point in those other three i would have lost the challenge or i've got to so like i think try and set yourself little goals so i mean like having something as like oh in a year if i do a year of this i'm gonna treat myself yes but also don't make things worse than they need to be um, particularly with shoes you need to have good shoes that's right yeah. you really need particularly if you're like running a lot you need shoes that are comfortable. You're going to end up with foot problems further down the line. I've injured myself, like my, my hips and my knees with having no good shoes. Yeah, and then you went to that running store that we found and the yeah, woman yeah. watched you run a little bit and was like, your hip yeah. causes you pain. And you were like, whoa. Yeah, because I, I didn't trust her. I like walked in knowing the shoes I wanted to buy. And then she like watched me run for like maybe 10 meters. And she's like, Nope. The, <laughs> you know nothing the, she, she's like these two things hurt my like hip and knee my like right hip and left knee i was like yeah mm. and she's like you don't need those shoes you need these ones because from our first date <laughs> we were supposed to meet up at a certain time like on a midpoint to us you know this is pre-pandemic obviously um thankfully <laughs> otherwise it would never happened let's be honest um but yeah i like had heard nothing from you all morning and i was like Hmm. To be fair, I didn't use Strava at the time, but I was running half mara. Well, okay, but that means nothing because you didn't oh, reply to me all morning. It, it and I was means, like, where it, is this? It means nothing to me now because I can do those like at pace, pretty like and just bang those out. But all right, big man, calm down, <laughs> flexing on everyone. That's that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, subtle flexes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I can accommodate that. This episode might be titled "Subtle Flexes." But on, um, basically, on our, as a few. <laughs> on our first date, um, I basically heard nothing from Corey all morning. And like, we'd already made a plan of like, oh, let's meet around this time at Wembley because it's kind of like middle-ish for us. Um, and yeah, and I heard nothing all morning. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get ready. Um, I mean, I was didn't really get ready much. I was, I'm lazy. I'm very lazy in my aesthetic. Um, but, like, I got ready to go. And then as I was, like, walking to the station, I got a text <laughs> being like, yeah, so I'm not going to be there on time. And I was like, oh, great. And your hip basically just, like, messed up. 
like yeah. halfway around your run, right? So you just have to like hobble home. Yeah. Like, halfway along your run, like quite far from home. You basically just like hobble home. Um so yeah, your hip me- messes up. I don't know why I was telling the story. Uh we well, we're talking about the benefits of good shoes. Get some good shoes. Yeah. Like make like invest in yourself. It is gonna be a long, long, long struggle, maybe. And like with certain things like with sports bras and gym leggings and shoes, even if like running is not the thing for you, those items are all transferable. Um, so if you're like really trying to actually do this and make like a lifestyle change and not a temporary fix or like a temporary option, if it's going to be something long term, then it's something long term. It's like I'm really putting off at the minute buying running shoes, but the shoes I'm using at the minute are the ones that I got when I was like 15. So I've had these shoes for almost 10 years and the shoes I have at the minute are quite cheap and they're falling apart and they're not comfortable and they're really not like supportive probably where they should be. But for some reason, I'm still like, ooh, do I want to spend money on more shoes? If they last 10 years, like my current ones just about have, then, like, that's a very minimal investment per year. Yeah, to to be fair, so. I, I feel like uh, my, my running buddies have way more shoes than I do, which helps them because they can, like, trail run through mud, whereas I'm, like, slipping and sliding. But, um, like, you know... Give give yourself the proper things. Don't don't hurt yourself, because because like if like uh, I I think this conversation really tells how like you're complex and and I always call myself like simple, because like to me the joy of running is literally to see the number go up. Like I I I run looking at my watch and being like oh I ran another k yay, whereas you're like I I need this like complex goal, I I need like motivation. I need like a long term goal ish. Like, moderately long-term. If it's too long-term, then it's too far away. I can't be asked. But, like, it needs to be, like, semi-long-term. And I think if you are trying to go for, like, a long-term goal, then you need to break it down into smaller things. So that you have, like... I mean, honestly, who am I to talk? I'm rubbish still at everything. But I'm improving. So That's what matters. That's what matters. Focusing on that. You know, it it took me getting you on uh, recorder to, to actually admit... That you, you are getting better at life, and, and I love to see that for you. Well, it's just like yesterday, we went on a run, and I hadn't run since I hurt my knee, because I hadn't put on leggings, because it really hurts for anything of pressure on on me wounds. Me poor little wounds. Because <laughs> um, I absolutely stacked in the middle of a road like an idiot when I was on pace for a good PB, so that was the, that was the saddest That's thing. That's the biggest L. And I made a hole in my leggings. You're basically That's really a sad because these are not very No, lo- losing, losing the PB is like the biggest L. Oh. But yeah, also my leggings aren't very cheap, but it was worthwhile because I wear them all the time and they have pockets. And it's great because it means I can put my keys in one pocket with a little mask and I can put my phone in the other pocket and it's sweet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm still bruised. But yesterday, like, I don't know. I, I, we managed 5k and I spoke to you at ish. Yeah, yeah. You know, ish. Yeah, you, you weren't, you weren't dying at I all. I wasn't dying. And I thought I was going to die. No, you, you were pretty fine. I still made 5k. Yeah. Without die, dying, dying, you know? Um, and yeah, like it felt okay as well. And then my Strava gave me a PB. Corey's Strava recorded a lower distance, but 
it's the same route I kind of do semi-regularly that always comes up at a similar distance. So I'm taking it. But my Strava gave me a PB and I was like, oh, okay. Decent. And you're almost at sub 35k. You're almost, that's benchmark. We're still improving. We're, we're trying. Um, I'm trying. My pace is not great. But we're getting there. But like I felt so much better in that run. Like I didn't think it was fast. I thought it was really slow. The whole time we were running, I was like, oh my God, this is lasting forever. I want to die. But also that's because my knee was really hurting. Yeah. Um, but then we, I guess, I don't like know. Fast. I took it like, but like, it's like, even like though I'd ran a hundred K in March and then I hurt myself and I was like, right, I can't go running for a little bit because I literally couldn't put on leggings. Um, and like even just when I put on tights for work because I have to wear tights and a dress, like it was just uncomfortable. There was too much pressure on my knees, so I got away with like shitty thermal leggings for a few days, but couldn't beyond that. Um, but like for some reason, even then, just by like being like right in March, I'm gonna try and be healthy. I was like, okay, so I can't run. So let me finally start jumping rope, and I've had a jump rope for. I think literally since I moved into this house now, so for like two years, I bought a jump rope and I never used it really. Oh, other than to jump a little bit and be like, oh my God, this is hard. This used to be easy as a child. And I was like, oh, this is effort. I'm not doing it again. And it's just been sat in my cupboard. But because I couldn't go running, but because I kind of eventually got into like, right, I'm going to do this semi-consistently. I was like, well, I need to do something while I'm not running. So, and I was like, well, I can wear shorts to jump rope because I can do it in my garden and I'm not going to see people. And I'll just start out. I watched a lot of jump rope challenges on YouTube, to be fair. But like, I was like, let me just start out minimal and let me just add a hundred jumps a day. Are, are, are you but then saying... I think that has helped my cardio because yesterday on our run, I didn't completely die. Are, are you saying that, and you mentioned lifestyle change before, that you've made a lifestyle change? Ugh. I was trying with March. It was March. You know that New Year motivation that a lot of people have to change their life? I did not have that this year. Two months later. <laughs> I did not have this at all. I was just like, oh, we're still in lockdown and it's miserable. And I can't see my family and everything is miserable. Um, and there's nothing to look forward to. And all those lovely things in a pandemic that I did not get that New Year motivation to change my life, which is why I did nothing in January. I went on three runs in January or within the first week. We had a good time on New Year's, though. I did nothing for the three we weeks. We called left. your parents, remember? No, we called my parents. We called your parents. We recorded a video for my parents. Oh, no, no. Didn't we just record yeah, a video yeah. and send it to both our parents? I was thinking you've gone crazy. My parents would have been sleeping. I don't do New Year's. Um... <laughs> But yeah, like, it never came. And then March was coming and spring was coming. And, you know, there were flowers. And I was like, there is hope in life. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to try and take some motivation because I was feeling it and be like, I want to be a better version of me. Because I knew in those couple of months where I did nothing, almost did a swear again, um, where <laughs> I didn't do much, I was like, I'm just going backwards here. I'm not maintaining. I'm going backwards. And I, w I tried hard in December to improve yeah so now i'm not helping that so i need to try i need to lifestyle change and this is where like, i speak to my aunt quite a lot um actually about this because she runs she started the park run years ago because my uncle dragged her there like, she didn't want I, to do I really it. like your uncle <laughs> that's because all he does is, well not all he does but he cycles a lot and he runs a lot and he finds a lot of joy in that hurrah something in common you, you married <laughs> you're, you're you're dating your uncle 
<laughs> Please don't say that. Um, <laughs> you don't speak French. It's okay. I, yeah, I don't have that sexy French accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going to share this, this podcast out there for any of my family to listen to. Lovely. I will. Um, but basically, <laughs> like my aunt, I speak to quite a bit about this because she also like didn't she didn't like running like patrick my uncle used to drag her to the park run ish you know it was like oh we're gonna do this and she was like fine and she still doesn't like it like we spoke about this oh, yeah, visit yeah. my my aunt and uncle um and my cousins on monday actually because we get to see people outside now it's fair thrilling. contacts we're recording this on thursday yes sorry i said that already haha <laughs> um but she still doesn't like actively enjoy running but you know like after a run you're like i've done that that was a good thing that and I've you done. feel good right ish <laughs> sometimes i'm like i can't breathe <laughs> but like yeah you feel I better in afterwards ish a long term um but she still isn't like i want to go for a run and she's been doing this for like four years now but she was working towards doing a 10k but she said that you know if she wasn't meeting people to run because she had a friend that she went running yeah. with she was like half the time i don't want to go but it's like the knowledge that oh well i've agreed i'm gonna meet my friend and we're gonna run together that she's like oh god i have to run i have to do this like that's the motivation um and it's a bit of a struggle if you live on your own sometimes you... to motivate yourself which is why i made my rubbish little instagrams um as do, my, do my you want to plug it no, that's my own way of holding myself accountable, even though I've posted nothing for a week. <laughs> you, you've actually brought up that contact, uh, that, that idea twice in this conversation. So do you know what that's called, where you tell other people challenges that you're doing? No. It's called social proof. So um, when, when I decided to move to the UK, the first thing I did was I started telling people I'm moving to the UK. Because that way I couldn't back out because I'd be the guy who said he's going to move to the UK and just didn't. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, take, taking a goal and then telling other people builds up that, like, social um, expectation that you do that goal, right? Because no one wants to be a hypocrite. No one wants to be a liar. So I'd be like, hey, I'm going to move to the UK. I was like, oh, crap. I actually have to move to the UK. I don't want to be a liar. Um, was that the worst decision you've ever made? Um. Swings and roundabouts, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't call them traffic circles here, so swings and roundabouts. Yeah, no, I get what you mean, though. Um, It's basically, yeah, it's like holding myself accountable yeah. to do things. I think that's part of, like, we literally spoke about earlier, um, just, like, in general chat. Like, that's, I think that's part of why I became vegan, because I told people at work, like, oh, I'm going vegan. And I worked in like a, a restaurant um, in a hotel and they were like, you you won't manage that. So then I was like, well, I will. <laughs> so I will. And because I told people, I was like, well, I'm going to do it now. And I was like, well, I've done it now. Can't go back. <laughs> and you did it. Yeah, I feel like. How long yeah. have you been vegan? Um, similarish to you. Yeah. So I kind of, I did it. You went very extreme i did a very staged approach to going vegan and there's no right approach to it if anyone's considering it like it's all about just taking a reasonable step and i think that's the same for a lifestyle change right if you try and do something extreme you're more likely to be like bum this don't want to do it no more this is difficult 
Um, that was terrible English. No, no, but um, small steps over time, right? But it's about like taking small steps of change. So luckily, I guess, um, my parents are quite like chill in terms of my sister's been vegetarian since we were yeah early teenagers. Um, and it's always been fine, like to accommodate her. I know some people struggle because they live in households where their parents are like going mad if they want a different dietary lifestyle to them. That's crazy to me. How dare you not kill animals? My parents are chill with most things in life. Like as long as it's not really harming anyone else. Your parents are quite nice. Or harming yourself, then you you live your best life. You'd be happy. They they yeah. let me harm myself way too much with liquor though. <laughs> yeah, liquor's fine though. That gets the pass <laughs> in my house. Uh, uh, that's how I you miss, bond. I, I miss your dad. <laughs> but like, can quite... I send him this episode because I said I missed him? <laughs> sure. Because that's genuine. He's a good guy. <laughs> he is actually. I'm very fortunate that I have very supportive parents. Actually, him and I are very similar. But go on. It's awful, and I didn't. I never <laughs> thought it until you said it, and now I hate myself. For it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's um. So I basically for a while have been discussing like veganism a little bit. Um, and been thinking about it with my parents and stuff. And then, like, I just, like, been mentioning it. And they were like, okay. But they were like, but we might not be able to cook for you. A bit more my mum. My mum's quite... But my mum doesn't like many vegetables, right? Oh, yeah. To, She's to, a big, like, meat and carbs woman. To to be fair, your mum could probably sit on bread and butter. Yeah. She would gladly have toast for dinner every day of the week. Like, she's a, a bread and butter, maybe dessert sort of person. Um, and coffee, obviously. Um, she doesn't drink water. She just drinks coffee. And that's, like, factual. She hates water. She doesn't like the taste of water. But she'll have it boiled with coffee. Um, it's really... But, um... Maybe everyone said this to your parents now. It's factual. She'll say that herself. <laughs> okay, facts. okay. Um, but I, like, have... To, and I talked about going vegetarian for ages. I just didn't do it. I just didn't. I don't know. Maybe it's because of the job I had, like, we got provided meals on duty as well. And they were, there was, they'd always make a vegetarian option if there were vegetarians working. But basically, there would be like, you know, like primarily there'd be meat meals. Yeah. Um, which is cool, whatever. But I just never made it. I thought about it a lot, never quite did it. And then I went on a meditation retreat. <laughs> I've told you this, right? I actually, I, I don't think so. So, so do tell. Um, I was feeling very lost in my life. Okay. I left university. Um, I didn't complete my degree, but I left university. Um, and I was not doing too well with a lot of things. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know. And then I came across um, this lovely company that I've forgotten the name of right now. But basically, they offer like uh, meditation retreats and they're free of charge. Okay. So you well, you send off a check before you go as like your reserver for your place yeah. of like ninety pounds, and when you turn up, you get it given back. But if you don't turn up, then they're gonna deposit yeah, that they, check. They, they keep that because yeah. it's a it's your reserving a place approach. Um, but you don't pay for it, and then you can donate however much you want at the end. So if you are able to pay for it, great. If you're not, you're not. But they're like not trying to discriminate against that. And the one I went to was actually called the hungry hungry ghost and it was to do with like an addiction retreat but it was just to do with the dates it's the one i could make um and i met some fascinating people there that were dealing with all sorts of different addictions and battles in their own lives um and it was like technology free like we didn't have our phones 
It was a week long, and we did like a day and a half of pure silence. But all meal times were I've in heard, that absolute silence. I've heard really good things about like silent retreats. I think I would personally go insane, even just from that like day and a half. <laughs> just like the thoughts and things that just would come up because you had nothing to distract you. Yeah, that's that's where I work out all my issues. That's, that's why I run and cycle and swim. I don't like dealing with those thoughts. Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but that was an entirely vegan retreat, like cause it was a Buddhist retreat, really. Yeah. And uh, the person that ran it was a Buddhist, but that whole all the the food that was provided there was vegan, and it was great. It was delicious. It was wonderful. I know, right? Um, yeah. I wasn't um, there, but. But uh, firstly, I met some amazing people, and I came to some weird realizations on that retreat that I hadn't like clocked. And it was on Dartmoor, which is um, like a moorland. It's just like open. Do you, do, you, do you want to share one of those realizations or is that too deep? No, I'm good. All right, all right, keep um, going. <laughs> but like, I did a lot of growth within a week and most of the people in that retreat were a lot older older, and they were dealing with, you know, like addictions. That was the retreat that we went on. Someone left partly through the retreat because it was just too intense for them for the time they were in their life. Um, which is funny considering it was just like, well, not funny, but it, that wasn't as a concept, I guess it's not that deep it's like oh we just sat in circles and breathed at similar time and stuff but like there were some really fascinating conversations and it was really eye-opening to listen to other people yeah and things they were going through but that was basically that was a vegan retreat and then i came home and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna stay vegan and that lasted all of like two days and then i but i stayed veggie right so that was like how it began and then I was veggie from that point on. Because I got home and realised I wasn't prepared and I haven't really done much research. I didn't really know what I could eat. Because I would say you should do some research before you go vegan with regards to how to get your nutrients. Um, but this is going to be such a long episode. I'm so sorry. Oh, we're at an hour. Don't worry, though. <laughs> um, I have one more question for you. But I I stayed veggie after that. Because to be fair, like my parents weren't expecting me to come back and be like, so I've given up everything. Like they just weren't prepared. And I was living at home at this time when I came back from university. Um, so, I, but I stayed veggie. So that was like 23rd of May that started. Um, 2017. And then I started reducing things. So I started like, I stopped drinking milk and I just had like, alter- like soy milk um, was my main one. That's the main one you think of. But then I got more into like almond milk. I love how you said soy milk instead of soya milk, like a regular British person. I always call it soy milk. Yeah, they call it soy in this country though. It's soya, and it's really quite strange. I guess it is soya, but then like if I'm going to order coffee, I'm like, can I have a soy? I know, I know, can but I have that, a soy that, that's how, that's how the rest of the world calls it. But anyways, keep going. <laughs> I interrupted you. But. I started like swapping out small things and I basically, before I, I moved to Russia for a few months, this is going on a very weird tangent. I'm I sorry. love it. Um, but I moved, I, I went to Russia, but I started by this point, like I'd, st- I'd stopped drinking milk. I'd stopped eating eggs as eggs. I was still eating cheese because I like cheese. I do. I do. It was a hard, like one of, cause like cheese alternatives are not, or were not, I'm actually very thankful. As a modern-day vegan, there's so many alternatives. Because as I said, as a junk food vegan, um, <laughs> as such, I like having fake cheese. And I like being able to get like fake yogurt and fake meat and stuff, which you wouldn't have got 10 years ago. 
Even like when I first went vegan or when I first went veggie, your only options really for sandwiches were like cheese and pickle or like falafel. You would always be the falafel wrap. Like that's like the OG of vegan food options if you're going to like I know. a supermarket. You were, so, you were so offended the other day when you had to get one. Ugh, I never get them anymore because you have options now because it's become trendier and because the demand has increased. Companies are adjusting to that and it's a wonderful because more people are plant-based. Um, but yeah, I so I still eat cheese and I still eat things with eggs and dairy in. So I'd still eat cake at this point, but I wouldn't like have poached eggs on toast, which is a very staple meal in my household. But that's a once a week you'd have poached eggs on toast for dinner. It's a great food. Um, but like I wouldn't have eggs as eggs. If that makes sense. Okay, okay. Um, and I didn't really have like dairy. I didn't have um so, like milk or yogurt. So I was like in the transitioning phase, and this was from like the May really because I didn't do that long as veggie where I still had milk from the May all the way through until the September. So this was like quite a long time. It took me to like cut out these small things. Um, to the September where I went to well I went to Russia in October but I was qualifying at this time because I'd left university and I was a bit bored I did a teaching this is a foreign language course online um, and I qualified to teach English as a foreign language <laughs> like the course name um, <laughs> uh, so I went to Russia to teach English um, and then I'm very glad, to be honest, I wasn't vegan when I was over there because they didn't seem to have much of an understanding on vegetarian. Um, it's quite difficult to get fresh fruit and veg in Russia. They have to import it. They can't grow it. It's snowy. Oh, yeah. Um, and and the EU, my understanding is, can't directly sell food to to Russia, can they? I don't think so. I'm trying to remember the conversations I had with my flatmate, who was also the teacher that I taught with, because um, she spoke Russian and I was only allowed to speak English in a classroom. And and um, and you said uh, you said you never tried borscht, so I, I imagine there wasn't any borscht around or sauerkraut. I just don't like the idea of sauerkraut, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't know about sauerkraut. But I basically would eat a lot of like frozen vegetables there, but I ate a lot of cheese, and I had like. I think I had dairy yogurt with like cereal and stuff, but I still wasn't drinking milk. Um, so that's the first time I got into black coffee, was in Russia. <laughs> um, and 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 then, and then I, I started croquet. <laughs> <laughs> but my housemate was a certain, what's it called? A div divination. Div denomination. Denomination, de oh, we've messed this up. There was a certain um branch of Christianity, um that she for like a a month of the year for for a certain period of the year Lent. she was basically plant based. Was it Lent? No, it wasn't Lent. All right. Um, I don't think. But so she, luckily, right? She found I found this supermarket that did Outpro soy milk, and this was huge. I was like, yeah. yes, um. And then I bought it, and then I went back to this. So it was a bit far away, and I didn't travel that far to go to the supermarket because it was snowy and cold in Russia, shockingly. In Wait till you see Canada. Between, like, October to Christmas um, was not the warmest of times. <laughs> but it was fine. But, like, I wouldn't go super far. Also, I spoke no Russian. I still don't speak. I don't barely speak Russian. I could say, like, please, thank you. 
hello, goodbye, can I get a black coffee? Or, like, can I get an Americano, no milk? And then I do not speak Russian. They were, like, the things that I could say. I still can't, I can't say the coffee one anymore. Everything else, just about remember. And Oogle is corner. I remember that because I found it funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but I remember that from my lessons. We were teaching the kids the English. Um, but yeah, so I went to a supermarket called Dach. Um, and they had soy milk. And I was like, yes. And it was like Outpro soy milk. You know, like a big brand of soy milk. Western soy milk as such. So I was like, yes. And then I bought it. And then I went back and I bought the next one. And I was like, there's the same amount here as I left last time. Every time I went, and it was like a week and a bit away from each other. And like, I'd left two cartons, I came back and there were two cartons. And then it got down to the one carton, I took it and I was like, hmm. And I came back and they just never restocked it. And I was like, oh, no one is drinking this soy milk but me. So she was like, oh, I know this other supermarket. And it was a bit more like of a farmer markety supermarket, okay. you know, like a bit less of a, a chain. Yeah. And they did their own soy milk mm. and it was like earthy. Like you drank it, it was like, ooh. Like it it felt rough. Um, like it felt rough. <laughs> it felt really earthy. It like punched you in the gut. To I'm be like, fair, ooh. we have some soy soy uh pulp that we're gonna turn into um hummus right away. So Yeah, but it wasn't like you know, like it wasn't like sweet and smooth. It was yeah. like it punched you in the gut and I was like, ooh, lovely. It was very Russian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but I did spend a lot of time at McDonald's when I was in Russia because it had free Wi-Fi. Um, and it was one of the few places in Russia. They had like that the cloud, which is like a free Wi-Fi over here, which just is in like a lot of public spaces. But you had to have a Russian phone number to sign in. So I was in a stinker because I didn't. I took my UK phone with me to Russia. So when I was out and about, I had no internet. Um, I could call people if I had to, but basically which, I, I to, didn't. To be fair, not having internet is traveling hard mode. I had it in my house, obviously, um, but I didn't have, like, data. So, McDonald's, I could get Wi-Fi. So, I had a lot of, like, potato wedges. Russia had potato wedges in McDonald's, and it was great. And I had cherry pies, not apple pies. That was also great. And they remain accidentally vegan, so we loved that for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at me, like, absolutely disgusted. But No, I'm looking at you quite happy. Yeah. So, but I'm thankful... That I hadn't gone full vegan before Russia because I would have struggled because I like ate quite a bit of cheese or I would eat like mushroom ramen from the supermarket. I didn't really know what it said on it, but I knew it was mushroom. Um, like it wasn't the meat one, but it probably wasn't had something in it that made it not vegan. Um, and I did cook and stuff, but I got a lot of frozen things and quite a lot of their frozen vegetables and things came like with butter in. So I'd like pour out the packet of veg and it had like butter and stuff in it to cook it with. That wild. So it was. Good that I wasn't vegan prior to that point because I would have really struggled, I think. But then I came back and went a bit more vegs and then I went full vegan on March 5th on St. Parents Day 2018. Because I moved to London in 2018. Yeah, 2018. So I've hit my three years. Right. Which is funny, though, that I went vegan on St. Parents Day and you went vegan on Canada Day. Yeah. Um, I have two more questions for you. So first of all, you you mentioned Welsh having its own language and stuff, uh, being its own country culture. What is microwave in Welsh? Poppity ping. <laughs> Only Welsh I know. You learned that when we were at my aunt and uncle's, right? Yeah, and and I believe uh, I believe I learned it at your parents. 
Because oh, yeah. L, L is Welsh. Um, yeah, yeah, my sister's um partner, partner is Welsh. Um, um, he has a very Welsh name, actually. Is Alid really. Welsh? Alid is a Welsh name, and Morgan is oh, a really? Welsh name. So Alid Morgan is like quite a traditionally Welsh. Welsh name. Okay, so like Welsh his family right. are like Welsh Welsh. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of Welsh family. My mum's father is Welsh, and my mum's mother is Scottish. My dad is all English. Yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they were both born overseas, so that's kind of mildly interesting. But like. Okay. Yeah, my dad's family is all English, but my mum is like Welsh and Scottish. She also doesn't class herself as English. So when the rugby is on in our household, particularly if it's Wales versus England, it's a dangerous place it's to be. It's a battle. All right. Yeah, there's two different TVs for a reason. Um, and my my last question is, I ask this to every guest. Um, oh no. So what? Um, this is the Earth Corey podcast. What 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 is uh Corey supposed to hear from Earth? out of this conversation i don't know i should have thought about this i forgot this was coming you listen to the podcast you you should know this i didn't know if you were gonna ask me this um i would say from this podcast or from life in general but sure like either or would everyone have an answer to you stress about things that you can't directly impact and control and give Erin an extra hug before you run away to Canada. I can do one of those. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Who knows? I'll, I'll, I'll leave the audience to decide. All right. Um. Thank you, Erin. Do, do you know the, the call-off that I always do or should I should I end this conversation? Um... Don't do anything that I wouldn't do. And I'll see you here next week, ladies and gentlemen, on another episode of Earth to Corey with Mr. Corey Matthew Dick. Close enough. Thank you for doxing me. Was that not, <laughs> was that not accurate? It was close enough. All right. That's great. Don't do anything I wouldn't do or haven't done. I want to see you all here next week. Don't come. <laughs> I'm kidding. Please come and appreciate his... <laughs> Fascinating thoughts on the world. <laughs>